day 48. In my direct line of sight in my office is a small clock. It sits on a shelf on the bookcase among mementos from various travels. It has a verse from Ecclesiastes chapter 3 inscribed around the face which reads, There is a time for everything. It was a present from my parents some years ago. The full poem reads, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. There's a lot of time in that poem from Ecclesiastes. In harder times, it's helpful to remember that there are seasons, that neither good or bad things last forever. This is not to advocate fatalism. It is that there is a certain beauty in the way the symmetry is articulated. There are 14 opposites expressed, contrasting a positive time with a negative one. Life is about difference. We appreciate the victory because we have tasted disappointment. We learn through defeat and come back stronger. We celebrate because we have known sadness and we grieve in the light of happy memories. Our lives fluctuate. Our emotions are mercurial and those we are closest to experience the full reality of those extremes with us. It is why part of the traditional Christian wedding vows include the lines for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. We promise to stick together through thick and thin. This is the foundation of true friendship and the basis of commitment to a family and a community. Our love is not convenient and we are called to keep going through prosperity and adversity. The first line of the poem reminds us that ultimately, all this happens under the heavens. I was sent a card last year that said, There is no time like the present, and there is no present like time. It was an encouragement to live in the moment, and appreciate the gift of each day during the Covid lockdown. There's so much craziness, conflict and confusion in the world right now that it's hard to know how to respond. Time is an interesting concept in English. On the one hand, we can ask, what time is it? By which we seek to measure the passing of time. Or on the other, they have fallen on hard times, a conclusion we have not reached by looking at a watch. The Bible uses two main Greek words for these different concepts of time. The 
What's the time, Mr. Wolf? example is chronos, from which we get chronometer, a device to measure linear time. The second, to quote Dickens, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, has less to do with chronology and much more to do with specific events and moments and how these connect. The word for this qualitative understanding of time is kairos. So the questions that come to us from these linguistic insights into our idea of time are firstly, how do we make the best use of the time we have? And second, how do we discern what God is doing in the season that we are living in? The key to how we use our chronos time is our understanding of our kairos time. To plan our diaries well, we need to first interpret the times. Jesus rebukes the crowd for their inability to perceive what is right before them. He said to the crowd, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites! You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Later on in Luke's Gospel, he expands on this when he weeps over Jerusalem for their inability to recognise God's coming. We need God's help to discern the season and to live in the light of Christ's appearance and future return. Paul writes to the Ephesians, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We have responsibility to recognise and respond to the opportunities we are given. We have not received God's grace in vain. It calls us to directed action and others to response, change and transformation. We often ask and consider the question, what are you doing today? The answer to that in all the different circles we move in, from home to work to play, is determined by our understanding of what the grace of God is doing in our context and how we encourage and participate in a response to that. Lord, give me eyes to see what you are doing here. Help me encourage the good that you show me and to love the people as you love me. The arc of God's story sparks our choices so that our lines align with the ending. We have a good idea where history is heading and that must translate into the present where we mark and measure time. His tomorrow shapes our today and frames whatever strategies and priorities we pursue. We cannot be afford to be distracted by alternative storylines or seduced by the pursuit of a better ending. We are unable to do this on our own. The words of Psalm 31 provide some comfort. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Today I am thankful that no season lasts forever. I am grateful that ultimately God is in control 
not just of my times, but of time. Today, I remember my brothers, sisters and friends around the world who are living through contrasting extremes. And I pray that as Paul encouraged his friends in Rome, you will be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Today's psalm starts proclaiming the greatness of the Lord and moves on to speak of the armies of the kings fleeing in terror and the destruction of the ships of Tarshish before the city of God. It finishes reflecting on how what has been seen looks forward to what will be. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of our God. God makes her secure forever. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Like your name, O God, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Mount Zion rejoices. The villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments. Walk about Zion. Go around her. Count her towers. Consider well her ramparts. View her citadels that you may tell of them to the next generation. For this God is our God for ever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. And that is definitely something to celebrate and sing, if you have the time.